Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Bonjour, bonsoir. Bonsoir, oui, oui. We are in Paris. Ooh, I don't know how you say that. Um, What was that woman saying before? Oh, yeah, Izzy was showing a woman at yet another vintage shop, a cute dress she has, and the woman was an icon, so she was like, oh, my God, c'est bon, joli. <laughs> she was like, what is she saying? Something she... like mar- marvellous or something? Yeah, <laughs> magnifique. Yeah, <laughs> magnifique. Oh, magnifique. And uh, then Izzy looked up the sister shop of this store, yes. and now we're going to go over because it's the Berghain of Paris. I need to find Vintage it. stores, so they don't let you in if they think you're not styling. Yeah, it's so funny. So she was, we were walking past and we we'd legally banned ourselves from going into any more shops because in Milan we went crazy <sighs> and bought a whole lot of things. And then we were <laughs> <laughs> thinking about these. <laughs> and then we were walking. We're such enablers of each other. Grace was like, okay, the skirt is brilliant. The boots are brilliant. You have to separate these purchases because if you bought the boots this week and the skirt next I week. yesterday and today. Yeah, yeah you did. I was tomorrow. trying to make yourself, you sound better. More reasonable. Um, then, you know, they're both two things you want. It's just because you're buying them at the same time that you're stressed out. You don't have to pick one. I was like, okay. And then we got to Paris and we were just walking just now home, well, to the supermarket to buy some French vin white wine (laughs) (laughs) and uh, we walked past a shop that caught our bloody eyes walked in and anyway i bought some jeans (laughs) that's that story and then we and then the woman was like you have to visit our other store and we looked it up and literally all of the reviews are one star and people were saying that the store was clearly open but the door was shut (laughs) and locked and people were clearly shopping inside and then they rang the doorbell and the person just waved them away without even bothering to come over and then other times the person came and said 
that it was shut and that you can only get in with a reservation. And then these two French people just walked in and clearly had no reservation. <laughs> Sounds incredible. Yeah, so let's go there and see what happens. I wonder if we'll get in. Um, yeah, we need to dress up for it. Yeah, I remember when I was in Berlin and staying at like a backpackers or something when I was 22 and these cute little blonde American girls were like, we, we, me and my friend Hannah were going to go to Bergheim, then we just went to sleep instead. And these cute American girls were just like, we're going to go try and get into Bergheim. And I was like, you, I was like, you'll get, you have the no chance. <laughs> I was like, take off the pink for fuck's sake. Even we know that we can't, we won't. Yeah, get- you can't wear pink. Yeah, I remember when we got in, I was like, I felt very in an exclusive club, but it was it was just because I had like a friend that lived there that told us exactly what to wear. Vetoed a lot of options, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. I wonder if it's still cool. I've never been. Bottega Veneta just did a show there, which made me feel like it's not cool. Not necessarily because Bottega's not cool, but because it's not very cool to let fashion brands do shows there. Mm, I feel like that's kind of cool. Do you think? I have a funny story to tell you, but it has to... Rosie Huntington-Whiteley going into Bottega in her beige set. (laughs) (laughs) It's Bergheim. The rise and fall of Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. I have a funny Bergheim story to tell you, but it has to go behind the paywall, so you have to remind me in an hour. Okay. Yeah, so I don't even know what we're talking about. We're in Paris. It's really nice. I want to live here. I want to learn French. We, um... Went to a couple of shows yesterday and then we went to this cafe and it looked really cute. And I was like, it's expensive, but how expensive can it be? And Well, the menu didn't seem expensive. And then there was just like a lot of hidden features such as €6.50 coffees. Yeah, and I got two of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all we had, was I had a croissant <laughs> with some scrambled egg and salmon. And what did you have? I had a croque monsieur, and- which is essentially like a... Uh, very extra toasty and it was 67 euros it was 67 euro and then the guy goes do you want to tip cash or card i was like go away you belong in jail (laughs) you're looking at it call the police about this fucking robbery (laughs) so then we thankfully found a bar that was three euro wines last night that was despicable and then oh can we tell the truth what uh tell them (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't even the story we were going to tell. No, we're telling the, the we're telling the full story on Jada. Oh, are we? Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I need to read out to you this. As you know, I'm obsessed with the Elizabeth Holmes case, the Theranos trial, and they've been reading out text messages between her and that guy Sunny. Justice for Sunny. And this has come out today. This exchange. She texted him. You are the breeze in the desert for me. And then another one. My water, full stop. Another one later. And ocean, full stop. Meant to be only together, tiger, full stop. Tiger. And then (laughs) 10 minutes later, he replies, okay. Oh, my God. And someone on Twitter goes, I would plead guilty to crimes I didn't even commit before I let this get read aloud in a courtroom. (laughs) Tiger? Tiger. Yeah. You are the breeze in the desert for me. That's not okay. I love how she made that up. If I was a Jew, I'd be like, guilty. What'd she say? My water. My water and ocean. There's not an ocean in the desert, you freeze. And he goes, okay. Wow. That's what I would say back to that. Yeah, I mean, that is basically what my boyfriend says back to me when I try and say something nice to him. Okay. He's like, please stop. 
Okay, so we both finished watching the Britney Spears Netflix documentary, which we watched half of last night and half of today. Um, came out last week, much hyped, very highly anticipated. This has been in the works long before the New York Times documentary. Yeah. And they speak to so many people close to Britney. So they spoke to this guy called Adnan, who I had no idea of, and he used to be a paparazzi. And then she formed this, like, she got a crush on this hot pap, which is very relatable. And then she was asking the other paparazzi where Adnan was when they were shooting her. She, like, wound down her window a bit and put her hand over her mouth and whispered, where's Adnan? When I saw that, I was like, like, we all know she was very chaotic in this era, but that was just... Another level, yeah. I didn't know. But, I didn't know that she dated all the paps. But that's so something you would do if you were. How old was she then? I was like twenty-seven. Oh, okay. I thought she was like twenty-two. She just has like, like the most manic thing about her is her dating history. Yeah. K fed. Like I don't even think she went out with Justin Timberlake. I think that was just orchestrated by the record labels. I think whenever she's given the choice, she just picks, like, spins around and points at someone <laughs> in her vicinity of actually. <laughs> but I feel sorry for her because it's obviously yeah, she's so lonely. Yeah, she's so lonely and she's not given much fucking choice. So she had to choose a pap. Then she yeah, so she was dating Adnan, and then he was seemed really cute in this Netflix documentary. And I'm the most easily what is it? A suede. Suede person ever. I was like, she needs to go with Adnan instead of Sam. And then we were reading all these reviews afterwards that said that Adnan actually did a whole heap of, like, bad stuff as well. things as well. So I copy and pasted the cute thing that Adnan said, which is when someone called her crazy. And he goes, you know, I fucking hate that word. You would say she was upset. You would say she was angry. You would say she was hurt. I'd choose all of them before I'd choose crazy, which is so cute and so true. And no one was saying that at the time. And then she became really good friends with this other guy. I can't remember his name. Sam Lufty. Lutfi. No, it wasn't Sam, her manager. They dated as well, according to a piece I just read. And that wasn't really covered in the doc. Right. And basically Sam and Adnan, it's controversial they're being used in the Netflix documentary because at the time they were used as evidence by her family that she had all these hangers-ons who were taking advantage of her mental break or whatever to their own financial benefit. But now Adnan and Sam are saying that they were demonised by the family to excuse doing the conservatorship and that, like, all the stories about them are not true. Yeah, and as I was saying to you, I feel like two things can be true and coexist. Yeah, exactly. Her family was obviously exploiting her, as we've all now found out, but... That doesn't mean that her manager wasn't trying to exploit her and steal all her money too. When you're that famous, it's like everyone around you is probably. Yeah. And like if if your daughter was getting absolutely harangued by the press every day and then started dating one of the paparazzos that were chasing her around, you would be a bit like, (laughs) does she have Stockholm syndrome or something? This is crazy. Yeah. And then even how he was one of the paparazzi literally trying to get in her car taking photos and then later the paparazzi were taking photos of him in her car. This is random. (laughs) And why does he have a goatee? Yes. What did I say that you wrote down? You said we were both a little bit drunk and Grace was like falling asleep and she goes... Men looked so despicable in 2007. <laughs> they all looked so – they're like, this boyfriend and this boyfriend, and they all just looked so foul. The goatee thing. It the was goatees or a... the little soul patch and the yeah, big baggy thing. pants. What is that? A soul patch. Yeah. Yuck. So yuck. And, like, the vests and the big sunglasses. Yeah, the craziest part was when she started just dating later on – 
when she started dating that really gross looking guy and then he had like the crazy transformation and became hot. And became so and he so was ripped. who was he? Her manager as well. Yeah. And, and then they broke up but he seemed quite nice. Yeah. So he was yeah, he was her manager and he looked like <laughs> He looked like a librarian. <laughs> but he was just <laughs> and then he turned into like gross. And then he turned so Alexander like Brad Pitt. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck's happening? And she had him in like her music videos and he was so fucking ripped. He had such a transformation. I know, I'm proud of him. And then they got engaged, which I didn't know that. They got married. No. Yeah, because then he became a co-conservator. No, but they didn't get married. They were en- engaged and they called it off, but he was a co-conservator. I think she's only ever married K-Fed. Really? I thought she'd been married a bunch, like a Kim Kardashian. She married someone called Jason Allen Alexander in 2004 and annulled in 2004 and then married K-Fed in 2004. Love. <laughs> Who's Jason? Brittany. I don't know who Jason is. Mm. He looks dodge. Mm. As expected, yeah, <laughs> Britney. So, this documentary is by a woman who's a huge Britney stan, and it doesn't feel particularly balanced, I guess, which is some of the criticism against it. And it does kind of do a few things that it criticizes, like it plays this like quite sad, heartbreaking voicemail she sent to her lawyer about how scared she was she was going to lose her kids if she didn't follow through with the conservatorship and, like, private texts with Adnan and stuff that feels a bit like, I don't know how necessarily how necessary they were to the story while staring like vo- something she yeah. would hate, you know? I feel like the voicemail felt like it kind of was, or even because that guy reads out his letter she gave to him and stuff. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, but I feel like the voicemail kind of, is necessary for heaps of people who don't know as much as we do and actually proving that she wants out of it because she's just, always wanted out yeah. of it yeah but i know that's the thing like everyone's kind of britney's saying she wants people to leave her alone and then we're just we're just reading out her private shit on yeah i'm just like imagine if 12 years ago when you were in a mentally fragile thing you left a a sad tearful voicemail and then 12 years later someone just yeah played it in this netflix documentary that millions and millions of people were watching you'd just be like thanks yeah (laughs) for that yeah um but then what we found out literally just now is that today in five hours so by the time you guys hear this it will have happened um a judge is ruling whether to end the conservatorship for real i can't believe this is actually happening i'm so happy it is i thought nothing would come of this i hope it does happen today i'm quite we need to celebrate if it does. Her dad, so her dad has actually applied for the conservatorship to be ended. Which is quite crazy. I feel like he must just be saving his own well, yeah, it would, reputation. Cause, yeah, because all the lawyers and stuff have been quitting. Basically, since she came out and did her testimony, all of these people have quit. Yeah. So it kind of made sense that he would have to, but I thought he'd sort of just stand his ground. I know. I wonder how much money he's made. He's so gross. Oh, and I hate that woman, Louise. What's her name? Oh. Louise Taylor. Maybe? Louise Taylor in the documentary. She's got such evil energy. Yeah. She's Harvey Weinstein's lawyer. So it said that Jamie Spears, her dad, had like a salary. And then on top of his salary, he made 16000 US dollars a month off Britney. That's crazy. And in total, all Britney got was 8000 US dollars a month. So he made double what she made, not even counting his like crazy salary that he gets yearly. And 8000 US dollars a month is like not even a particularly competitive salary in other jobs. Yeah. It's like $2,000 a week. She probably has to pay for all her kids' stuff out of that too. Because <sighs> they said in the documentary that when she 
wanted a couple of hundred dollars to buy her kids some books. She had to request it and wait days for a response. Yeah, it was, I mean, people are criticizing this documentary. It got like universally panned from critics like the Variety and The Guardian and Independent and stuff. I still do think it was a very useful thing for people to watch because what happened is so incredibly outrageous and it's such a massive story that it was actually, I think, good for me to, like, rewatch and be reminded of just how insane it is and yeah, how unjust it is. So I'm glad that it exists. I don't think it has, like, glaring ethical issues or that it's schlocky. No, me either. And Brittany put up a post the other day and she basically was slamming a recent documentary of her and then this Instagram account I follow was like, wait, I feel like the Netflix one was actually kind of, like, they didn't show her breakdown then show mm. her shaving her head then show like the umbrella thing and then someone commented saying no she's talking about the cnn documentary because there's another mm. crappy cnn one that came out the exact same time and there was another new york times one as well it's really crazy guys i watched a little bit of the last documentary and i must say i scratched my head a couple of times i really try to disassociate myself from the drama number one that's the past number two can the dialogue get any classier number three Wow, this is the most beautiful footage of me in the world, being sarcastic. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's talking about the CNN one, I'm pretty sure. And she's talking, yeah, she's talking about kissing Madonna, which didn't play in this Netflix one. Mm. It also, in that new New York Times one, you're saying that it came out that that they're alleging that she was getting filmed, right? Yeah, so there's a former security guard who's alleged that her dad had her bedroom tapped so she was being recorded at all times and had her phone and iCloud monitored so all of her texts, all of her browsing history, all of her emails, all of her correspondence, anything she looked at or said was being recorded which is just so fucking insane. Yeah, and they also said that the conservatorship means that they have whatever access or rights to everything she says publicly, as in her Instagram account too. Because that's such a confusing one, her Instagram, which everyone kind of seems to get tripped up on, but I just genuinely don't think it's her posting these things. But I then don't either. Her because, boyfriend yeah. Sam fucking confuses me all the time too, because I can't decide if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I feel like yeah. he's a good guy... But then he has naughty energy, doesn't he? Well, it's just he's just confusing. Like the way he goes about things is confusing because when Brittany posts stuff, if it's not her, why is he like engaging with her? Yeah, yeah. But then so then maybe it is her, but then it makes no sense that it would be her. But then yeah, he proposed to her recently and people were having a go about her money. And he said that they have an ironclad prenup to protect him, like, as a joke. <laughs> oh, Sam I was like, that Jarden. makes me like you, Sam. Jada. I can't believe that by the time this episode's out, she might be completely free. That'd be crazy. And then she's free to go and blow her money on whatever she pleases. Just the fact. As she sh- always should have been. As she always should have been. Just the fact that this was ever able to happen is so terrifying. And the fact that you can be told that you're completely you're too mentally non-capable that you can't hire your own lawyer while you're headlining a las vegas residency for four years i just don't understand like these are the kind of things in the legal system that make me feel so perplexed and so hopeless where i'm like how can we not how can a law allow that to happen in the 21st century it's just so baffling and i think as well what a lot of people thought 
with this situation was that we all kind of forgot, well, not forgot about Britney, but just thought she was okay or whatever for the past 10 years or however long it's been. But this documentary shows that this entire time there's been heaps of people fighting for her. Like Mm. this Rolling Stones journalist secretly met her in a bathroom of a hotel and Britney signed documents saying that she didn't want her lawyer, her current lawyer, and she was shaking because she was so scared because she had to get away from her bodyguards to meet this woman in a hotel cubicle, and that was 2009. Yeah. So it's been happening for so long. It's just really, really sad. So sad. Also, good screen grab is shows that she watched the she wrote the blackout album on the back of a Starbucks napkin. Love. Yeah, she's she loves Starbucks so much. Proud of her. And that was so great at the end where it played her whole testimony and then she was like, I am the greatest and they did this montage of her being amazing and I was like, Yes, Brittany. You are the I greatest. hope she just doesn't perform anymore and just has a restful life. Me too. I hope she just relaxes with her hottie boyfriend hottie boyfriend little muffin children yeah never has to see her stupid dad again and her all her siblings are so naughty which is confirmed in that documentary yeah everyone's so selfish it's really crazy that you can do that to someone for money mm. money turns people crazy i know i'm like how dare they and then i'm like i wonder what i would do if that close to 60 million a year that's like why wills and stuff are so bad yeah. Turns people absolutely nuts. So many people have had, like I have, and so many other people have had like crazy family experiences with Wills. Mm. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Just go away, you crazy yeah. people. But then you st- think about it and you're like, why should this crazy person yeah. get it? Because they're just being crazy. Yeah. It's- I know. <sighs> so wild. Wait, we need to get more wine because these wine glasses These little are thimbles. Tiny. They're like little shot glasses. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So there is an article that came out in ID, I'm just going to bring it up, about being a highly sensitive person, which I had never, ever heard of. So my mum has been telling me for months that I need to buy this book about being a highly sensitive person. Coral on the ball. Coral is so on the ball. And she said, this will change your life. It's changed my life. You need to read it. And now it's a huge buzzword. In the media sphere. Yeah, so on White Lotus, I completely missed this, but Paula, one of the young girls, said... Yeah, don't they say she's a highly sensitive person? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, she said she's an HSP, a highly sensitive person. And then Olivia's mother, a kind of Sheryl Sandberg-esque businesswoman, quips, who's a physician? Lena Dunham? (laughs) 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 But yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of it at all, but basically... 
the signs of being a highly sensitive person, as you can kind of tell by the name, is just being more aware than others of kind of, I don't know how to say this word, subtleties. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Having a rich and complex inner life, which is random. Appreciating delicate or fine sense, taste, sounds or works of art and feeling easily overwhelmed. Rather than being a disorder or a diagnosis, being a highly sensitive person is thought to be a personality trait, which is sometimes referred to as sensory processing sensitivity. So this piece is kind of funny in ID because it's saying that being a highly sensitive person is a thing, which I think it is. And I think I am clearly one because I can't go through any kind of minor conflict without crying my eyes out. I just wrote an article about being a crybaby and then I cried last night and today, (laughs) which is fucking crazy. So, and like, I think being an empath is obviously a thing as well, but it's just funny how both traits are just always positioned in a really positive light. So it's like, if you're a highly sensitive person, you're just, you know, too kind and too kind of weary of other, of you take on the weight of the world and you're like, so amazing. And all these TikTok videos, because it's just gone crazy on TikTok, there's two point seven million when I last looked hashtags of highly sensitive person and it's all these stupid videos of people explaining five signs you're a highly sensitive person and they have like forty thousand likes. And I'm like, what is this what is TikTok? Yeah, and the videos you were playing like you get a fright when you hear a loud noise or like you get scared in scary movies. And I was like, this is just being a human. I think this is the thing. I remember when I first read the signs of HSPs I sent it to Zach and I was like, oh, my God, this is so so me. And he was like, these are just things that happen to all people. Like, I think obviously there's a spectrum of things where you can be obviously more sensitive to things than others. But I I agree with what you're saying with this article where there is this kind of – it's something I've been wanting to write about for ages. Like, there's this thread that's happening in our culture now where self-assessment or self-analysis is just narcissism, where people think being able to say nice traits about themselves is – self-work firstly and secondly they're unique in experiencing things that everyone experiences and yeah. it's like the um it's an individualistic thing again. it's the individualistic like people are so desperate to think where they're like i feel things just like really deeply like i get really sad and things or i get really blah 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 or say stuff and it's like everyone finds sad things sad you know within the realm of not being a psychopath responds to things in a fairly similar way but we're just so obsessed with finding ourselves unique in that situation that I feel like things like HSP, which might be a good thing to know about because it makes you um, really bad in conflict or it's affecting your work or it's meaning you can't have good personal relationship or, or friendships, it could be good to work with a psychologist on tactics to deal with it. But we now think that, like, naming the thing is fixing the thing. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah the self-diagnosis thing and just the kind of wanting to be original or have something different about you which is so funny because when you're younger it's the complete opposite thing you don't want to have anything different or anything that makes you weird like I remember when mum tried to take me to the doctor to diagnose me with ADHD because I was showing like the typical boy signs of it as a kid I was like absolutely not because I was so petrified of having this diagnosis Mm. about something and then as you're older everyone's like I have ADHD I'm actually this yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I'm and I'm not because I genuinely think Obviously, that obviously it is. People, some people are more sensitive than others, but it's just funny the way we are talking about it as it being a positive thing because I've always thought that my sensitivity is overwhelmingly a negative thing and no one ever phrases it that way. Mm. Like it is, and like they say as well that 
the opposite of a highly sensitive person is supposed to be, or the opposite of an empath is supposed to be a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that there's a wealth of articles online about how empaths are particularly vulnerable to the machinations of narcissists, which strikes me as an unusual claim. What's the point of having superhuman emotional intelligence if you can't tell when someone is merely pretending to be nice, which is kind of a like stupid point, I think. But then it was like within this framework, narcissists and empaths are thought of as representing two different Two ends of the spectrum, basically. But then it's like being so invested in your own personality traits that you spend time making educational TikTok videos about them also strikes me as a little narcissistic, Yeah, which is just so true. I think the like sensitivity thing is an interesting thing to talk about because I think I'm a, a very sensitive person as well in that I can get very easily upset or offended or read into things or can find it hard to deal with people sometimes because I am so sensitive to you know, the feelings and emotions of everyone around me. And I, like you, have mainly always seen that as a negative. And I think it is really good to think about the ways in which, like, your sensitivity is, like, a superpower or, like, helps you or makes your life better in some ways. Like, it's obviously what makes us interested in telling stories and writing and exploring other people's life experiences and things. And there's a lot of, like, positive sides to it. I think it's just about being able to do that without getting, like, caught up in getting all like complimenting yourself about it being <laughs> yeah. like i just am like this. i'm i don't know i just feel things more than you probably <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i actually was writing this article about being a crybaby because i just have desperately always wanted to teach myself how to cry less because i get i get like embarrassed when i'm trying to have an adult conversation or an adult conflict with someone and i like cannot do it without crying and i literally will sit there and just tr- i'm just like okay calm down just be rational and to speak to someone, it's, I was like, it's, it's makes your point seem invalid. It makes you sound overly emotional and not like you're talking sins. So I have like this full thing planned out where I'm like, okay, I've thought about this. I know what I want to say. I'm going to say this in a rational, calm way. I'm going to explain why I feel the way I feel and rah, rah, rah. And then literally within like five minutes, I'm just crying and I can't do anything about it. And it's And I'm like, fucking hell. And then I wrote this article and scientists have fully done research on it for thousands and thousands of years and they still can't understand why humans once you stop being a baby cry that's so interesting we're the only animal species that cry because of our emotions wow animals only like other animals only shed tears if they get something in their eye literally (laughs) someone like whacks them in the eye and also tears that uh we cry when we're emotional are different tears they're like registering different emotions than if you are crying because you've you're cutting an onion or something. Like it's a completely different kind of tear. Also. That's, that is fascinating. Yeah. Also, they found that there's like fully no way that they can find out about that you can teach yourself to cry less. Mm. So if you just cry heaps or if you don't cry at all, it goes the other way too. It's like kind of useless trying to teach yourself to do the other thing because you just can't. It's It's just just like, yeah, it's just the way you are. You can probably teach yourself tricks and mindfulness things of like, breathing calmly and you know removing yourself from the situation or something but but that's like good to know as well for you because so then you don't beat yourself up every time you do it because you're like i'm just scientifically programmed this way it's not like a failing or a weakness it's just how i'm built the same way yeah like a certain eye color or whatever yeah it's funny isn't it what else i love a good cry like i can't i don't cry very much and i don't i think i tend to cry about i'll get triggered by something like watching a fucking ad or like a TV show thing, and then I'll have a big cry, and mm. I'll be like, "Oh!" And then I feel like I've slept for fifteen hours, 
then can move on. It's like a build up. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, I just brought up this piece, which I've already submitted, but now I'm thinking it would be so interesting to, you guys are now in on my work meeting. It'd be so interesting to add about being a highly sensitive person because I'd never even heard of that when I've submitted it. Yeah. But it's for print, so fuck knows. But also the other thing that's quite interesting is women always in all research found cry way more than men. So the average woman cries between 30 and 64 times a year and the average man between six and 17 times a year. During a single cry, men tend to cry for about two and four minutes while women cry for about six. And crying turns into sobbing for women in 65% of cases compared to just 6% for men. And Mm. the reason for the divide is partly biological. So women have six times more prolactin than men in their systems, which is a hormone related to crying. And we also have smaller tear ducts so a man can like well up with tears, but women are way more likely to actually cry on their face. Wow. So like when women cry at work and things, people think they're being overly emotional. But it's literally like our the way our hormones are made up and the way our tear ducts are made up. That's like quite crazy. That's amazing. There's such a social narrative of men don't cry because they've been told they can't because it's girly. But it's like that's just scientifically yeah. how they've been built. But it's also fucked because I was writing about crying in the workplace as well. And all of these studies have been done that men are way more likely, as you kind of know, it's quite obvious, to anger. Mm. And women are way more likely to cry. And when women cry, it's perceived in a far more negative light than if a man literally screams and slams and swears Mm. because it's seen as being, like, powerful. Or, like, passionate. Yeah, or passionate. As opposed to weak, yeah. Yeah, that's a really hard one. Quite crazy. Okay. Shall we go Megan has? Yes. So last topic, I'm so interested in this and it's very telling that you hadn't seen this till I started talking to you about it. I can't believe it. Megan and Harry have been doing, so we talked last week in the Patreon episode about their Jara time cover and they're now doing their first public engagements post-Mexit and they've done this quote-unquote royal, not royal tour of New York happened over the last five days. And the thing that's crazy about it is that they appeared, they basically conducted it and planned it as if it was a royal tour, but they're not royals anymore. And it wasn't a royal thing because there was no geopolitical thing involved. That's random. And they engaged the press and the thing in the way that you would a royal tour. And all of the things that they did on the tour it wasn't philanthropical events for Archwell that they happened to be photographed doing. It was like appearances at places where so all like, they did was appear. So they went to the 9-11 memorial and just stood there with the governor of New York and got photographed. And they no. went to a school in Harlem <laughs> and Megan read everyone the bench. <laughs> Her book. Oh, my God, her book. I was like, what the fuck is the bench? And then she wore, she just got slammed because she wore a 15000 US dollar outfit and $375,000 worth of jewellery to a public school in Harlem where 95% of students are on free lunches and sat and read them the bench. And it's like if you're a royal, you know, there is a touch of tone deafness in those things, but at least there's, like, a reason for it. You're, yeah, because you're locked in a palace. You're locked in a palace or you're being it, – it's 
connected to some broader thing that you just haven't decided to do on your own. It's like the whole team at the palace has said this school needs attention or we're going to bring attention to the free school lunches program or something. Like they've just picked places to go. And so so they're – so they're like really they're doing everything as if it's a royal tour in terms of releasing where they're going to be getting mm-hmm. the paparazzi involved Outfit doing changes. staged photo shoots yeah you said megan's been getting changed a lot she's so she's done i think like 11 looks in four days or something no. so she's going back to her hotel and getting changed and coming back out again and they're like doing really expensive lunches at the carlisle and all of these places in I, I between guess- it's it, it's like I, I get it. I don't want to slam it too much because I, I get it to a certain extent. Well, I was going to say the outfit changes I thought was so incredibly jarred when you told me about this. But now when I think about it, in some senses, it could be viewed as a way because obviously that's what gets a lot of press or a lot mm-hmm. of fashion press mm-hmm. usually with the royal tours is what they're wearing when yeah. they go places. So if she's getting changed, they'll at least be like, Megan wore this to go to like the school in Harlem or exactly. whatever. But if they're not even doing anything for a reason as in they're just visiting these schools just randomly yeah i think the the pieces i read kind of very few places covered it which is sad kate rocking up to the 007 premiere and that gold jenny packham number got like 15 times the amount of press um but the criticism i read of it was basically just saying that um I think Queen Sophia of the Netherlands or something was at the UN when a conference was happening at the same time Meghan and Harry were there. And Meghan and Harry kind of just went there and spoke to someone and they had it photographed. There is this this other queen from somewhere Scandinavian was like lobbying for the creation of a certain body to help women who were being trafficked in a certain area. And she looked beautiful and chic because like we said, that will help get it coverage. But she was there with, like, a very specific purpose. Mm. And th- it seems like this tour that they did didn't seem to have that purpose. It wasn't chock-a-block full of things that were necessarily useful. It was quite obviously a publicity tour for them. And I think they've just misjudged their popularity in the US. Yeah. And I think doing the head-to-toe outfits, like Megan wore head-to-toe, like the row and all of this stuff, and it just feels a little bit out of touch when you're trying to present yourselves as the down-to-earth ones. It also, as we talked about last week on the Patreon ep, we're just we've just been a bit confused about what their PR strategy is since leaving the royal family. Because I think, I mean, as they said on that Oprah thing, which I feel sorry for them about, like nothing was planned. So they, yeah. so we thought it was chaotic because it was chaotic the way they moved and then the way they were like doing all these scat random things where they launched that. The Spotify podcast that they're probably in the middle of a legal battle about because they've never released more than one episode. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just go work on your podcast. Stop doing this little publicity tour. Yeah. And then now they're doing this. And it's like they, they're just kind of, yeah, like shooting around in the dark trying to find something that lands. But it just feels so random because isn't Megan pregnant as well? Why don't they just hang out at their oh, – She had the baby. She had the baby. Oh, she had a girl, right? Lilibet. Yeah, I'm sorry, so Lilibet. Jarred. That's what I mean. Her. There's been like five Jardo things in a row now where it's like, guys, just get it together. Like go into hiding for two years and make your podcast and make Art Troll really profitable and do all these initiatives and then emerge after some mystery and intrigue is built around you. Yeah, or, yeah, or like you said to me, do these – things but do it behind the scenes and like Mm. fully two years later people will find out that you've been like working with all these charitable organizations and you've raised all this money and you've been doing all this 
really positive stuff, but you don't need to do it so publicly. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're kind of worried that they're going to get forgotten about, which they obviously are. I just forgot about the birth of their daughter. I haven't forgotten about the birth of, like, Prince Louis. No. (laughs) Prince Louis. Um, But then this piece I was reading as well was saying um, they they basically – do you remember when that – those pictures came out of them because Harry couldn't get back for Remembrance Sunday or whatever, where they went down to a random oh, graveyard yes. in California and she wore the black. This piece I read said they hired that photographer to come and take it and share it to the press because, like, the press pack weren't interested, basically. That's crazy that the press wouldn't be interested. I mean, yeah, I don't know if that person was speculating, but they're basically saying that, like, when you actually think of the logistics of, like, Megan wearing a black dress and Harry wearing black and them going to a random graveyard in the middle of California and, like, laying down a wreath and then all the images, Megan's looking, like, really sad and somber and thing and you've just got a photographer there taking photos and there's just traffic going on in the background and stuff. You're like, this is really, really random. Didn't you say it was a Vogue photographer? Yes. Alexis, what's his name? Yeah. It's, um, so I just, I get that they are stumbling around trying to figure out their strategy, but I feel like they sort of just need to sit tight, have a bit more of a think yeah. before they do. Like these royal tours, people are interested in them in America, like when Princess Diana and stuff came and when Meghan came the first time, because it feels weird because you live in a castle in England. Mm-hmm. They're not interested if you live in a mansion in Montecito. And they, <laughs> yeah. They're just like, what are, why are you here? What are yeah. we? I just can't but imagine then, anyone coming out. But then I guess they'd be interested in if, like, Oprah came to their school. Yeah. But I think it's like royalty is this relic of this thing that's so old-fashioned in the US that they're still kind of fascinated by. Whereas if you haven't done anything notable... Megan's going back to just being a suits actress when the um, designers wouldn't dress her for the red carpet, remember? I'm just like, she was a suits actress much longer than she was a duchess. Like, officially now, the period of her life that she was a duchess doing the duchess stuff after the wedding will have been a year and a half or two years. And as the time goes on, that's just going to become a, like, more forgotten thing as, like, a weird little thing that she did. You know what I mean? So it's, like, they kind of needed to capitalise on this moment really successfully. Yeah. I mean, And yeah. we're both, we, yeah, I think because we talked about this last week, we're being less vocal about, obviously, we both like them as yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. I don't think yeah. that well, there's yeah. anything against I don't know them as people, but they, I yeah. like them as people. <laughs> but I don't like the, yeah, the, the chaotic work structure right now i agree i feel like they need to just chill out for a bit they need to go hang out with their kids enjoy the californian sun that's what i'd be doing (laughs) exactly what i want to be doing but i can't get into america i think trying to shove this like royal framework into america is not gonna necessarily work but they'll probably just keep trying things and see what works and then figure it out yeah it feels crazy like because that's the thing is i think that it feels crazy that we would forget about Megan and Harry and it seemed impossible. And it also feels weird because I'm not particularly interested in the royals, but it's like now I'm just I, – I, I am the perfect example of it because now I just don't really care what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I never thought that I wouldn't. I was like, I'm so yeah. interested in this. I'm so interested in this love story that I watched the Lifetime documentary 
about their them getting together. I know everything about when they were camping in Botswana. Botswana. <laughs> like I know how he proposed. She was cooking roast chicken. They were at home in their cottage. Like I watched that fucking BBC interview four hundred times. We had a Megan and Oprah viewing party, and now yeah. that feels so random and crazy that we would like re- even release an episode about that because i'm like who even are these people and that's happened in like three months i think when i watched the oprah thing i thought this is their swan song to celebrity culture and they're going out with a bang and then doing like the bench the time cover the podcast the bench. <laughs> i can't with the bench <laughs> and now the bench. this quasi royal tour i'm like what are you guys doing you're just giving ammo to the people who are saying i thought you just wanted to step out of the limelight and not be famous what are you doing it's like just just step out for a while and just focus on your charity and then all the naysayers you can be like well actually we raised 150 million for blah 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 in the last three years and then you've shut everyone up and you're also getting what you wanted which was peace and quiet i can't believe that i forgot that the bench originated as a poem for prince harry and expanded into a fully fledged picture book yeah it was a poem that megan wrote for harry on father's day on like behalf of archie oh that's quite cute no (laughs) I read Meghan Markle's book. Is it as bad as the media says? I don't know. Is it- How can a children's book be possibly be bad? No, surely it's not. It's number one New York Times bestseller, I'll have you know. Okay. It got a 2.3 audience rating summary. Oh. Wait, what's it got on Goodreads? <laughs> Where is Goodreads? Okay, can I tell you, to oh. be a New York Times bestseller, you don't actually have to sell that many no, books. No, someone told me that too. It's like literally like 20,000 altogether Yeah, it's like no books. Yeah, because no one buys them. Yeah. Um, which is funny. And also people, heaps of people would buy children's books because there's a lot That's of That's why all these celebrities the make them because they think they're like... They want to be New York Times bestsellers for the bench. Oh, no, 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 sorry. I think that because there, there's so many, like, children just buy them. They just know it's easy money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like any of my friends that have kids, I'll just go into a bookshop and buy them a book and be like, there yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> Your little tyke. Have the bench. Your little rugrat. Here's the bench. Okay. Aww. I actually, it does look kind of cute. I saw it in a bookshop. I got 3.35 on Goodreads, which isn't that bad. Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, is a mother, wife, feminist, and activist. The Archwell Foundation. Oh, my God. This woman. Oh, my God. This woman hasn't even read it. And she goes, so I'm a serious proponent of not reading books you haven't read, (laughs) which obviously, like, who would do that? (laughs) I even have an entire separate shelf to avoid this, but I'm making an exception. So she's giving it a five-star review because everyone's being mean about Megan. Aww. Why didn't she just read The Bench before she wrote it? It would have taken her probably 18 minutes. Yeah. No, less than 18 minutes. It's a children's <laughs> book. Megan needs to go back to when she did that duck rabbit book read for UNICEF and, like, the world was just – I was like, oh, she's looking fresh and free in California yeah, and is living her life. Yeah. Had some baby Botox, looking fresh. Even when she was doing those, like, little talking heads with – Okay, here's the moment it went wrong for her. Oh, yeah, when she did the talking head for Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. It was for a good cause, obviously, but yeah. still, that's that's too low too quickly. I know. I was even thinking about how Britney was a judge on The X Factor. I was like, that's crazy. She's the biggest pop star in the world. I know. She was on the Jamie, you should be going to jail for that alone. I know. And Simon Cowell was like kissing Britney on the head in one of the shots. I was like, get out of here, Simon Cowell. <laughs> His face looks so crazy now. Men who get Botox fascinate me. Or like 
He's had like full yeah filler. Beyond, he's had like a non-surgical facelift. Yeah, I'm gonna get one. He's probably had a surgical facelift. <laughs> I remember when I went to um, Hollywood and I was staying with this cute little woman in a B and B called Dresden, and I came home one day. She was like 65 or something. I came home one day and her entire fucking face Dresden. was bright red. She's still my friend on Facebook. Her entire fucking face was bright red, and she like said she like lied to me. <laughs> And said, I don't even know what she said. She said she got burnt. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, need to go to the hospital. And then she finally told me she'd had a facelift. Oh, shit. And her husband was like this famous Hollywood director who had died, but she still lived in his really nice house and then rented the rooms out to me. When was this? Ages ago, so long ago. The was... Many Lives of Isabel Truman. Yeah, it was weird. Chapter I was like... 17, Dresden. <laughs> Dresden. <laughs> Life of Dresden. Dresden's like the name of that city in Germany that they like burn- bombed the living shit out of in World War Two. That's why I find it funny. Oh, my God. Like, what a random name. Okay, we're going to the Patreon. Yeah. Where we're honestly just going to talk about Angelina Jolie and the weekend maybe bussing. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole content. That's the whole episode. <laughs> and we'll also talk about Lena Dunham's wedding. Yeah. And we're also going to talk more about whatever the fuck we were talking about earlier that I said we're going to wait for the Patreon. Oh, the wine glasses. The wine glasses. Yeah. Bye. Um, goodbye. Farewell. Au revoir. Au revoir. Wee wee. Und schwer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.